0: This is a very significant week for us at at our church, Body of Green Pines. Um, We've finished the study on on Hebrews, learning about what it means uh, to live out faith, living for the the unseen and the not yet believing in the unshakable kingdom that trumps what we see. Um, At the same time, uh, as ministers who have faith, it is ours to share the gospel. And so we've are sending out today those who are going out to India, working with the church planters there. But this week, uh, we, we're going to have a special time, especially in regards to our Love Out Loud focus. Uh, we're going to be looking toward Mingo Creek. You'll note in the bulletin, uh, the front of the bulletin, several significant events um, that all this week were are uh, leading toward. In fact, what you're going to be hearing from us uh, tonight... As we have Lonnie Riley here this morning and tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Um, he's going to be sharing with us about what it means to live by faith. I, I think that you'll find that him and his wife Belinda, who is here as well. Uh, you'll, you'll see her with him at, uh, toward the end at the back. And they are living out uh, the things that we've been talking about. And it's just uh, a good story of how God is working in uh, eastern Kentucky, and Appalachian area. Uh, in fact, uh, he has a book that uh, just came out that describes a lot of the stories of what God is doing in that area. Uh, and so I, I would encourage you to look at these, these uh, books. And I believe we had the books as well by faith that uh, if, I think the first hundred folks that came in here, um, got them, and so I don't know if there's any left. Okay, so maybe you got one of those books as you came in. Uh, it's a good book, and you'll be greatly encouraged by it, and uh, you'll be challenged in your walk with the Lord uh, in that book. And so they are founders of the Marizzo Center Ministries in uh, eastern Kentucky and Appalachian. And uh, he'll, I'm sure, share with you a little bit about how God is working. We just found out about him through the Experiencing God videos. We learned about uh, what God is doing through him. And um, it it just impressed us that what he's doing fits in so much with what God is putting upon us as a church with the love out loud to say that our church is to be a source of blessing for Nightdale, uh, for the gospel, not just to say that we're going to do good stuff, but for the gospel's sake that uh, it is a sign of the gospel of what we do to be a blessing to the community. And so um, this week we're going to be challenge you uh, to pray. In fact, we're going to have a calendar that you'll be able to sign up beginning tonight uh, through Wednesday night. We're going to ask that you take a 30-minute segment that where you will personally pray for God's working uh, in the Mingo Creek neighborhood. This is right across the road from us in the Hodge Road. Uh, elementary school is uh, right at the front of this neighborhood. Uh, we want you to pray about God's working in this neighborhood, working through us, and so we're going to try to get, as much as we can, three days filled with us praying. For those of, us, of you who are led, uh, we're encouraging you to do a fasting, uh, to, to say that we want to take this time that we may normally spend eating or whatever the activity may be, and we want to spend that time praying instead um, and just treasure Christ more than whatever that, uh, that activity may be and use that in time of prayer. Now, Saturday morning, we're going to uh, go out and we're going to go through small groups, their teams, and do some surveying of that neighborhood. We've done this before, with Green Pine Neighborhood, uh, where we're just going to find out uh, about the needs of the people. And we're going to pray for each people we come across and pray with them, pray for them, uh, to be a a way of a first first blessing, if you will, uh, with this time. So this is a very... uh, important week for us. I want you to be praying about what the Lord will do. Uh, we're going to have a great time with Lonnie Riley. He'll be here with us this morning. Then tonight, at 630, every night this week uh, to Wednesday night. Uh, it'll be our last night, 630. Monday night, we'll have a doxology group from Southeastern Seminary singing with us. Uh, we're going to have a good time. And so I'm going to ask uh, Lonnie Riley, if you'll come now and just share with us your, the word of God, God's put in your heart today. How y'all doing? Great.
1: Good. <clears throat> I'm from Kentucky, in case you can't tell it. I sure am glad to be here, though. <clears throat> um, I trust you'll plan to come every night, so some of the things I'm going to say to you today and tonight will kind of build upon the session before. So if you miss one, I don't know if your um, audio, video, this... Well, you may get a, you may get a, you know, little set of those audio or CD or whatever or DVD. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter six. My wife, by the way, is Belinda. Wave at them, honey, so they'll see who you are. You didn't wave high enough. There you go. Uh, she's uh, my bride of forty years, nearly forty one years. <clears throat> John chapter six. I'm going to begin this morning because. Uh, I believe that um, in America we have lost a vital part of our relationship to God, and it is a simple part, but it is uh, profound when you think about it. Um, Let me give you a little background on where we are, and I'll use this as a backdrop for what I shall say to you this morning. Um, Jesus had fed... 5,000 men, and theologians say if you count all the other people there, women, children, so forth, you're probably looking at 30,000 plus. Jesus fed 30,000 people with five loaves, two fish. Now, you've got to ask yourself or answer the question, can Jesus still do that? Or is that just some story we read about that really doesn't pertain to us at all? And then you must answer this question. Can God do something like this in Nightdale? Why, obviously, the answer to me would be absolutely same God, isn't it? He doesn't change any. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, His methods may change, but... He doesn't change. He's the same. So Jesus fed these 30,000 people, kind of gets away from the crowd to get along with God. The disciples want to get away from the crowd as well. They jump in the boats. Now, this is my translation. They start rolling across this little lake. A storm comes up, and they were in great fear. Now, they had just seen Jesus feed 30,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but he wasn't around at that moment. So when these waves come up, they began to be greatly afraid. And then the Bible says that Jesus came walking on the water, stepped in the boat. Now, listen to what it says. And immediately they were at land. I think that Jesus walked in the boat, through the boat, out on dry land. And they followed him along. So now it's the next morning. Fast forward the DVD. It's the next morning now, the people get up, Jesus isn't around, the disciples aren't around, and so they're in a great quandary. So can you imagine all these people now jump in boats, head across the lake, that must have been some scene, and they get to the other side. And that's where we pick up this story in John chapter 6, verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, if I were in Kentucky, I could probably translate that without doing that any injustice like this. I don't know why you're following me around, Jesus said, but I suspect it may be. Because you had dinner for free last night, and now you need breakfast this morning. So you come over here to try to find out where I am so you can get some breakfast. Now, isn't that basically what he's saying here? And Jesus said to them a major, major thing. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Now, let me stop here and ask you an important question. Why do we labor 40 hours plus every week? Is it not for food, clothing, and shelter? Now, unless I missed what Jesus said, He said, do not labor for those things. But we spend our life laboring for those things, and still we are empty. We live our lives, in many cases, to try to catch up with the Joneses. If you're Joneses, I'm not picking on you. And about time we catch up, they refinance, and we're behind again. And that's the way it goes. (laughs) But Jesus said, do not labor for the things which perish. But we spend the majority of our life working for those things that perish. Again, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, First seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added to you. Now, what was he talking about? Food, clothing, uh, uh, shelter, and in some case, health to a degree, because it talks about stature. You're not able to add one inch or take one inch away. So he's saying, if you seek me in my kingdom, all that you needed will be added to you. Now, here is the grave difficulty. Now, watch this in verse 27, the second part. Which the Son of Man will what? Give you. That's what he said now. I didn't say that. He said it. He said, I will give you these things, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Pretty amazing question, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, his response, now I'm thinking Jesus is going to give them some great theological discourse. Here's what he says in verse uh, 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent, period. Is there a period there? didn't say anything else. This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Do you know that we have stopped believing God? Oh, we believe that Jesus Christ will save us, will forgive us of our sins, and that's an amazing belief system, isn't it? that God would save you from your sin, but now wait a minute, now I've got to make it from here to heaven on my own. Where did you get that from? I'm going to have to work all this out. No, the Bible says, as you have received Christ, in the book of Galatians, as you have received Christ, so walk in Him. So if you believe that Jesus Christ can save you, from eternal punishment, and give you a home in heaven, surely you can believe that God can get you through this thing called life. But we've stopped believing God. i will to give you a little testimony this morning and tonight, and we're going to talk about faith and prayer and this week and obedience. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but it's all dealing with faith. And it's all going to be practical, I trust, for you. God had to bring my wife and I to a place of believing God again. Now, I have been involved in all kinds of Baptist work. I pastored small churches. In fact, the first church I pastored was a college church that had eight in Sunday school. They voted on me that Sunday morning, first time I think ever that I got a 100% vote. (laughs) Eight people. I just barely did make it in under that one, boy. And uh, that little church began to grow. I've pastored churches that run 750 with eight administrative staff people. I've been a uh, college administrator. I was assistant to the president of one of our Baptist colleges. Uh, I've been in denominational work. I served in the state convention of Baptists in Ohio for eight years in the evangelism section. So I've been the whole gamut of Baptist life, and I know what it's like. And the last pastor, it took us to a little church down in South Haven, Mississippi. That little church was running less than 100, had been had fights and split up twice, and they were at each other's throat, and they were running less than 100, and they called me and said, Lonnie, unless you come to be our pastor, we feel like we're going to have to close our doors. And um, I left that wonderful church in Ohio running 750 and went to a little church running less than 100. That isn't norm for the Southern Baptist life. Everybody's trying to go up instead of down. But we knew that God had called us there, and we went to that little church, and four and a half years later, that little church had grown to over 400 in Sunday school, 500 in worship, and we'd sent out missionaries to five foreign countries and started local missions to Hispanics and African Americans and called seminary students, to pastor those congregations. They now are churches and are starting churches in Mississippi. And it was a very wealthy church. We we built a $3.7 million building and moved into it and paid it off in one year. And um, the folks in the church loved my wife and I, so they bought us our dream home. They bought us a five-bedroom, three-bath, Tudor State executive home, executive home right near a 40-acre lake in a gated community. Nice place. Guy in the church said, now, you can't live near a lake and not have a boat. So he gave me a new bass boat. Whatever we wanted, we had. And I thought, man, I'm going to settle down right here, retire, and live the life of Riley. That's my last name, by the way. (laughs) I thought, I'm just going to take it easy here. And my mother-in-law lived with us for the last seven years of her her life, and she passed away in our home in Mississippi. And we took her back to Lynch, Kentucky, where my wife is from. And I grew up in Hazard, for those of you who remember, I'm not a Duke boy, Uh, just about 30 miles adjacent to Lynch. So we both are mountain people. And so we took her back to Buria there, and while we were there, several people came by and said, You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. They said, We need somebody to come to the mountains and help us here. Nobody will help us. And as I looked around and saw the poverty, the illiteracy, the joblessness, and the hopelessness in the eyes of the people, of Eastern Kentucky, my response was a typical Christian response. I said, man, you sure do need help. Isn't that the way we act sometimes? And what's the other part of that? And I'll what? Yeah, and I'll pray for you. We really don't intend to do that, do we? A lot of times, we want to get on about our business. Now, don't look at me, pious. I'm not the only one that does that, am I? Uh, I say, we we'll pray for you. But really, what I want to do is get on back down to Mississippi and enjoy all that stuff the Lord give me. And uh, on the way back down to Mississippi, God spoke to my wife and I at the same time. said, Lonnie, that's where I want your life to be. And here's what God said. He said, I want you to know three things before you go. Number one, you're not going to have a big fancy home when you get to Lynch. Because there are no fancy homes in Lynch, even though God's given us a nice home. Now, you notice how what I say and how I say it, okay? God has given us a nice home. And the Lord said, you won't have big, fancy automobiles. Now, if you drive Cadillacs, that's wonderful. I praise the Lord for that. The Lord said, you won't have big, fancy automobiles when you get back to Lynch, even though God has given us some very nice automobiles. And the Lord said, "Uh, I want you to know, Lonnie, that you won't have a big six-digit income salary with all the perks. In fact, you won't have any salary at all. But the Lord said, I want you to know that you'll have me. Now, I had to come to the belief that Jesus Christ is everything I need. May I ask you, sir, is Jesus everything you need, really? Or is he just part of what you need? You see, we we don't really believe that Jesus Christ is all we need, but he is all you need. Here's the way we want to do it. We want to say, Lord, I want you to... Take care of all the bad stuff over here. We call that sin, don't we? And Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free of our sin. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ will forgive you. He was buried and raised again and ascended back to the Father so you could have the assurance that there's life beyond life. You have all that. But we want to say, Lord, take care of all the bad stuff. But now don't mess with the good stuff. I like where I live. I like the automobile I drive. Don't mess with that now. Just take care of all the bad stuff. The only problem with that, that's foreign to this book. The Bible says that when you come to Jesus, you have been bought with a price. You are no longer your own. You belong to God. And any time God chooses... He can pick you up and place you anywhere in the world He wants with your life. So we had to believe God. Can God really provide for us? Oh, absolutely. God always has provided for us. And for the past 11 years, we haven't received a salary through typical means. But God provides for us more than we could have imagined. I remember one month, we paid all of our bills had $78 left in our checking account. <laughs> That's a long way from Mississippi, boy, I tell you. $78 le- left in our checking account. I, I sat back in my chair and looked at my wife, and I said, honey, God has been good to us this month. She said, what do you mean? I said, God has given us $78 more than we needed this month. God is good, and God will provide for you every single thing you need. When you believe that he can. And when you believe that he can, it's a done deal. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent, period. So we get back to Lynch, Kentucky. I have no strategy. I figure, uh, what county we in here? What now? Wake. Like Wake Forest? Whoa. I'm in a famous place down here, Wake County. Does God know what He wants to do in Wake County? Sure He does. Does God know what He wants to do in this church? Sure He does. Does God know what He wants to do in your life? Yeah. What's our problem? Our problem is we don't know what God knows. If we only knew what God knew, it'd be a done deal, wouldn't it? Now, what we're going to talk about this week is how you can know what God knows. Because can you imagine, can you think of anything that God did in the Bible that He didn't first tell somebody what He was going to do before He did it? I know it's a big book. we got little minds, so it's kind of hard to get through there. But do the best you can. Can you think of anything that God ever did that He didn't tell somebody what He was going to do before He did it? Now, folks, that's going to be true in your neighborhood. God's going to have to tell somebody, and then when somebody believes Him and obeys Him, God does what He says every single time. That's what belief is. That's what faith is. If you don't know what God wants, it's blind faith. But when you know what God wants, it's real, practical, intimate faith. And God will always respond to that kind of faith. And we'll talk more about that tonight. So I get back to Lynch. I have no strategy. I know God has a great strategy. So here's what I said. Lord, you sent us here to help people. I don't know what to do, but let us know what you know so that we'll know what to do next. And so for six months, we didn't hear another word from God. And you know me, you probably tell by now I'm a doer. I like to do stuff. So uh, I looked up and down our street. And there were 13 empty homes on one block in Lynch. Now they're all filled up. Folks are moving back to Lynch, and things are, have changed over 10 years. But they had these uh, vacant homes. They had hedges growing up. You know what hedges are, correct? And they were growing out over the sidewalk. And it looked, literally looked like a jungle in town. And I'm thinking, God sent me to, here to help people. I'm going to help these people. So I went down to Walmart. I bought me a set of hedge clippers. It cost $24.99. I still got them. I got a 100-foot extension cord, and I just went up and down the street cutting everybody's hedges. I didn't ask permission. I didn't knock on the door to see if anybody was home. I figured God sent me there to help. I'm going to help people, so I'm going to straighten this down up. And uh, so I was cutting these hedges, and one day a fellow came by the house and said, somebody told me he's a preacher might be able to help me. I said, well, if I can, I will. He said, I need $75. told me why. His family needed some food, and um, he needed a part for his car. By the way, do people happen by your church on the way going somewhere? And they want a night's lodging. They want food, gas, all that stuff. They haven't been by, do they? Well, see, we live in Lynch. How many know where Lynch, Kentucky is? About five people out of this crowd. I'm glad God knows where we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're right back up in the mountains. Now, the sun comes up. The mountains are so high, literally, the sun comes up at 10, goes down at 2. That's true. Come up visit, and I'll, I'll show you. We'll time it. Ten to two. And folks don't just pass through lynch. you got to be going there to get there. So if somebody comes to you with a need in lynch, most of the time it's legitimate. So I said to this young man, man, I don't have $75. That's what he wanted, $75. I said, but I'll tell you what, if God gives me $75, I'll let you have it. Now, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Now, this young man left. I know he was expecting he'd never hear from me again. To be honest with you, I didn't know if he would. But I hadn't committed anything I couldn't do, right? And so uh, he went his way. And two days later, my wife and I were out in the backyard working on an old door. This lady pulls up in a Jeep. She got, out, she got out, came over to me and crossed her arm and said, I came to pay my bill. I said, well, ma'am, you don't owe me a bill as I know of. I've never seen you before in my life. She said, well, aren't you the guy going up and down the street trimming everybody's hedges? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm doing that because God sent me here, not because I need any money. She said, well, I own the old house three doors up from you. I always pay to have my hedges clipped. You did a good job, and I'm going to pay you. She pulled out a $100 bill, and she laid it on that old door. She said, now, if you don't pick up that $100 bill, it's going to lay there. And I tell folks, you don't say that to a broke preacher over in eastern Kentucky now. <laughs> I grabbed that $100 bill, and I, I'm thinking, I'm going down to Western Sizzling tonight to get me a steak. That's the best we can do in Harlan County. And that's 40 miles from where I live, so it's not right next door. And uh, as I was going in the house, God said, now, wait a minute, Lonnie. You told that boy if I gave you $75, you'd give it to him. I just gave you $75. I said, Lord, you're right. And I can't tell you the joy in my heart when I sat down at that phone, called that unsuspecting young man on the other end, said, man, I want you to know that God has been good to you. I told you if God gave me $75, I'd give it to you. God just gave me $75. So you come on down and pick it up. And you'll know tonight when your family sits down to a nice warm meal for the first time in a long time and the needs of your family have been met, you'll know that the Lord Jesus has been good to you. And as I was going out the door to give him that $75, it's like God touched me on the shoulder and just spoke to me all it, I think he was clear in that. He said, Lonnie, I just wanted you to know, boy, not only did I give that guy that $75, I just paid you back your twenty-four ninety-nine hedge clippers all in one shot. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? I mean, God is able to take care of you. And that's how things started. But we just learned to believe God with nothing. Now, we still don't have any more than we had when we moved there. But God has allowed us to use so much more. Do you understand the difference? Let me give you this example. I'm going to be through here in just a minute. I'm not a long-winded preacher. I just say what I've got to say give you an opportunity to respond, because I, I think some of you are in this crisis of whether or not you're going to believe God or not. Are you going to work it out yourself, or are you going to believe God can do it? I believe God does all things well. And I don't think you'll ever face a need in your life at which God would scratch his head and say, boy, I didn't think of that one. No, he already knows your need. And so you don't have to worry about God understanding where you are. Uh, in December, that first year we were there, um... It was cold. It's cold in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. We lived in a little four-room house. That'll bless you. To go from a five-bedroom home to a four-room house. That's a pretty good adjustment, but it was home, and um, I walked out the back door of uh, our little four-room house that cold December day, and there were two boxes sitting on the step. I picked up the boxes and put them in on the kitchen table and yelled at my wife. I said, honey, come in here and look at this. She said, what is that? I said, I don't know. Somebody left it on her step today. We don't know exactly who left it to this date, except to say that God did. She said, what's in it? I said, I don't have a clue. So we opened it up. We had two 15-pound boxes of cookie dough. (laughs) I'm thinking. Now, this cookie dough had already thawed out So, men, do you know that you can't refreeze cookie dough? (laughs) No, I didn't know that. That's got to be a woman thing, right? And I said, honey, what are we going to do with 30 pounds of thawed-out cookie dough? She looked at me and she said, we're going to bake cookies. (laughs) So we bake cookies for days, okay? it's December. And so we put all these cookies on these little old flimsy paper plates. Not these styrofoam, they were just (laughs) flimsy paper plates. And we wrapped them up with aluminum foil and put a bow on top. And we went up and down the streets of Lynch, Kentucky. We'd knock on the doors and say, we don't know if you're going to get anything for Christmas this year or not. But the Lord wanted us to come by just to let you know that He still loves you. And if you don't get anything else for Christmas... God wants you to have some Christmas cookies because he gave them to us to give to you. And we gave away every one of those cookies except the ones we burned. (laughs) She made me eat those things. (laughs) And I said that to say this. Everything, sir, God gives to you is just cookie dough. And the reason he gives it to you is so that you will now know what you will do with it. You see, God already knows. But he lets you have it just so that you will know now what you will do. I don't know what your cookie dough may look like. It might look like a motorhome or a four-wheeler or a horse or a farm or a car, an antique car. It could could take a million forms. But God just gave it to you so that you'd see what you do with it. Now, are you believing God has just given you some cookie dough so you can honor Him? Or have you been using that for yourself all this time, never considering God? You see, that's what we lose our belief in Him when we try to use the things that God has given us for ourselves instead of for Him. God will fill in all the blanks of your life. God will take care of the needs of your life Don't work for things that perish. But rather, believe God. And that's how you work for the things that endure to everlasting life. Now, maybe God has put you in a position today. And He's put you in a tough spot. And you're going to have to believe God to get out of this spot. You know that um, God doesn't... um, Allow things to come to you except for one purpose. So that whatever it is God allows to come to you. I didn't say caused it, but he allows to come to your life. In that thing you would trust God. You would believe God and find his provision for your need. It's the only way it's going to come. This is a work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. Now the Lord's brought us a long way in these ten years. But it's still the same. Every single day, we have to believe God for this day. And um, some time ago, we made this prayer with God. Lord, always keep us spiritually bankrupt. In that, the only person and the only thing we have to depend upon is you. We don't have anything else. We don't have anyone else. And we don't want anything else. God is sufficient for your every need. Now, some of you are not a Christian today because you have yet to believe that Jesus will really save you and forgive you of your sin. But he died on the cross to make that happen. You know what you need to do? Believe it. And when God makes the change in your life, God will start the provision for your life in every way. Some of you have been traveling with the Lord for a while. But somewhere along the way you've given up believing God because you tried believing one time and you just believed and you believed and you believed and God didn't show up the way you thought He should. You need to come back this week to find out why. But this morning God is calling you to believe Him again. This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Maybe God is calling some of you to join this fellowship by life, letter, and service, by baptism as this church receives members? If so, then we're going to ask you to believe God, to plant your life by life, letter, and service right here in this fellowship today and say, Lord, I'm ready. Pastor Jared's going to be here and uh, we're going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. Now, I'm going to pray with you. Then we're going to stand. And uh, I'm not going to say another word after that. I just, I'm a man of, Short invitations, because I believe if God's spoken to you, you know that, and you know what you need to do. I don't need to try to coax you into doing that. So if I can talk you into that after the service, I can talk you out of it. So I'm not here to talk anybody down the aisle this week. I'm just here to share with you the truth of the Word of God and let you respond in a way that would honor God. That's all I'm asking. If your response is a private response and that honors God, that's fine with me because I don't, have to, I don't have to deal with your response to God, only mine. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to publicly come in just a few moments and bring your life as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship. Maybe you need to speak with a pastor or counselor. If so, we'll take the Word of God without any pressure. We'll lead you to your commitment in Jesus. But if you don't need to speak to a counselor and you just want to speak to the Lord and you just want to bring something to him, I'm sure this altar is open for you as well. Now remember what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, we're going to stand. Our praise group's going to sing. You won't even need a hymn book or anything like that. They're going to sing and when they start singing, I'm going to ask you to find that out and you come to the Lord in a way that he's instructed you to come. Let me pray, and then we'll stand. Father we're